crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn you went. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in their guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and glad to have you with me along for the ride today. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, of course, with so much attention being paid to CPAC currently going on, uh, a lot of you may have missed some other stories of interest that are certainly uh, important, noteworthy, are probably being mentioned here and there to some degree. And then there's some other stories that are completely flying below the radar. So I'm going to spend a few minutes kind of touching on one, but we're going to do things a little differently. This is, of course, still the Sunday show, and we became pretty well known for having the Sunday afternoon conversation format on Sunday, so we had a little more laid back, extended, uh, nearly entirely hour-long conversation with various guests, and we're going to kind of do that again today. Uh, this time, we're going to be speaking with Mark Emerson and uh, his son, Jonathan. Uh, we're going to be discussing the project that he's working on building, uh, which is Algebra Victory. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about what makes algebra and his method of teaching algebra different. 
and why it's important to America's youth. And then in the second part of our conversation, we'll be talking about the opportunity to invest in the program if you're so inclined. So uh, we'll certainly look forward to that. And it was laid back, informal, uh, kind of just an enjoyable time to, to talk with one another. But there are a lot of great sentient points that are being made as well, so it certainly falls within the category of noteworthiness for you, my dear listener, as a patriotic American, especially one that may, and I don't know how you wouldn't if you've been paying attention, believe that our education system has been hijacked by those people who no longer want to educate, but want to indoctrinate, want to cause damage and harm to others uh, that way. They can control and keep people, you know, under their thumb, things of that nature. But before we get too far into that, I need to, well, you know, talk about today's sponsor. And that is, of course, forpatriots.com. Obviously, we're still focused right now primarily on trying to make sure that you visit forpatriots.com to check out the brand new generation of portable, safe, silent, and 100% fume-free generators. These generators are now available to all Americans, even those of you who might think you couldn't afford it before, thanks to some great payment options that they have available. We're talking about the Patriot Power Generator. It happens to be a solar generator, so it doesn't use gas, and that means there are no fumes. No carbon monoxide seeping out of the gas generator that you might otherwise have. No carbon monoxide seeping into your home at night, causing dizziness, nausea, or worse. Every year, thousands of Americans have to deal with the effects of carbon monoxide poisoning as a result of using a gas-powered backup emergency generator. Not the case with the Patriot Power Generator. It's powerful enough to keep your phones charged, to keep your medical devices operating, and it's light enough that you literally can pick it up and take it with you wherever you need to go, including using it inside. Again, remember the part where I said no fumes? And it's as quiet as a laptop. So you don't have to worry about those loud running sounds that you normally get. It's it's great. So what I'd like you to do right now is visit 4patriots.com and use code TAPP, that's T-A-P-P, to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store, including the Patriot Power Generator. Just go to the number 4patriots.com and use code T-A-P-P, to get 10% off. That's 4patriots.com. Use the code TAP to get yours today. Now, with that being said, we're also going to start off doing something a little outside of the norm. I'm going to do a few little headlines that I want to make sure that you're aware of so that you can you know, go back and check and see for yourself. We've got Marianne Williamson, uh, everybody's favorite candidate for president from the Democrat side the last go around. You know, the lady who's all about positive vibes and crystal healing. Yeah, she is officially in the race now, once again seeking the nomination from the Democratic Party, but 
she doesn't want to be seen or thought of as running against Joe Biden. Nope, she's running for America. Hey, great. Love to see it. We also have Dr. Jill Biden. Of course, the greatest doctor of all time, with Dr. Anthony Fauci being number two closely behind her. Uh, Dr. Jill Biden refusing to acknowledge the need or suggest the possibility of a competency test, cognitive-wise, for her husband, Joe, barely there, Beijing Biden. We also had Chris Rock torching wokeness and Meghan Merkel and, and Will Smith in his Netflix special that debuted just Saturday night. We have Jeremy from, you know, The Daily Wire, Jeremy Borm. He decided that he wasn't a big fan of what Hershey's was doing with their woke candy bars, doing their her-she bars. So Jeremy's Chocolates have been bored, and Jeremy's Chocolates sells more than 300,000 chocolate bars in just under 36 hours. So now, not only are they doing Jeremy's Razors, which has undoubtedly, hands down, the best commercial of all time, uh, now we have Jeremy's chocolate. Uh, before long, the Daily Wire is going to be Jeremy's side project. going to be nothing more than a hobby. Ben Shapiro is just going to have to take over. <laughs> Jeremy's not going to have enough time with all the other things he's doing. Uh, Mike Pompeo uh, cracked on Donald Trump and the debt under Trump's first watch, claiming that, surprise, surprise, Donald John Trump was not a true conservative. Now, we've talked about that in the past. Uh, fiscally conservative, a good fiduciary agent for the American taxpayer dollar. Eh, he didn't exactly demonstrate that mindset as a candidate and then as the setting president of the United States. I've criticized him for that on multiple occasions. But then I've also acknowledged that his first job, the primary job, before he could really start tackling any of the budgetary items was to get the economy back to growing well beyond the measly, anemic levels that we saw under Barack Hussein, Adel Akbar Obama. I firmly believe, even though I've never gotten any acknowledgement of this and never heard Donald say as much either, that I really believe the plan was during the first uh, administration, that first time as being president, that first term in office, that Donald John Trump, the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, as the left would have you believe, fully intended on addressing the movements to bring forth more fiscal conservatism in the second term, after the economy was, was booming, after fewer people, fewer American citizens would feel a great deal of pain should governmental uh, programs be reeled in because they would have their own money. They would be self-sufficient a little bit more, a little bit better. Larry Hogan, uh, who a lot of people have been throwing around as a potential Republican candidate, he decided that uh, he is, in fact, not running. And uh, we also have a lot of folks now talking about the fact that uh, Hunter Biden may be in some serious trouble. Because you'll recall when I asked a while back how he got certain DOD cipher codes, 
evidently some folks are now really starting to look into that very same question. So uh, phenomenal there. Uh, we also have James O'Keefe, who showed up at CPAC as well, along with the alleged Pfizer whistleblower. Uh, even with Project Veritas no longer his project, he isn't going anywhere. We've also got uh, the left falsely framing uh, Michael Knowles' call for an end to transgenderism as being genocide. Uh, how ridiculous is that? We have a, a whole new train derailment in Ohio, one that required hazmat crews to show up. Uh, evidently pretty serious there. Still not a lot of the details available at this point. I mean, we've heard all the preliminary stuff, but there's a lot more to come from that. We'll undoubtedly be talking about that more next week. Uh, the Virginia AG is uh, set to subpoena internal reports on the Loudoun County rape cover-up that we have discussed uh, quite frequently here. And uh, evidently the GOP has booted some of the school board members uh, further that uh, did not resign already. And then we have this. Merrick Garland is running around visiting... Ukraine. This is his second trip there. And he's now making the statement, after having been invited, of course, by Zelensky, going around telling people that the result of the Ukraine-Russian war would indeed have a direct impact on American democracy. Garland, of course, is just the latest high-profile member of the Biden administration to, to go visit Ukraine. He was there speaking to the United for Justice Conference, or of course he was talking about Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the U.S. investigation into possible Russian war crimes. But the fact that he insists that the results of the war there will have direct influence on democracy in the U.S., I have to agree with, but not for the reasons he wants us to believe. You see, Ukraine for some time has been little more than a slush fund for politicians, most of them with a D at the end of the name, but a few of them that also have R's. A slush fund for these people to take U.S. taxpayer dollars to ship them there in the form of aid of one kind or another, uh, then somehow magically receive these dollars back into their personal bank accounts. There is little doubt. There are few questions, and yet there is very little being done about it. There's hardly even an effort to cover it up. You know, just enough to say, whoa, well, see, tell him he's over there. He's doing that uh, uh, debunked conspiracy theory thing again. Oh, boy, look out. Look at the size of the tinfoil hat he's wearing today. But we know it to be the case. The United States, quoting now, the United States recognizes that what happens here in Ukraine will have a direct impact on the strength of our own democracy. Except, except there, Mr. Garland, sir, Mr. A.G., we don't have a democracy. We have a constitutionally federated republic, or at least that's what it's supposed to be. According to the Justice Department, Garland also held several meetings with local officials while in Ukraine, 
while he was at the conference. And uh, I'm just, I'm left wondering if this is part of a setup for another intellectual psyop, a, a black flag that doesn't involve a major issue, but still could. And to remind you why that uh, would come to mind, I'm, I would like to share with you a piece that was written by Jason A. Brown. Now, I've shared some of his work with you before. He does a fantastic job over at the Grasshoppers Patriot blog, which you can now find over at Substack. And I will put a link in today's show description for the uh, podcast to the Substack for this specific page. And I highly recommend, if you are so inclined to, as with all the other folks that write over at Substack, Feel free to sign up for the free newsletters or uh, take it a step further and offer up a little bit of help by becoming a paid subscriber. There are perks. You get to comment, things of that nature. But Jason has always done a fantastic job, and I've shared a lot of his stuff with you before. And He's always sent me stuff specifically from Twitter, uh, and now I damn following the uh, substack and it's great over there i gotta tell you but this current piece is called perceived justification for tyranny using a persuasive pretext he states that historically false flag events have been precursors to tyranny and evil acts so i'm going to read a little bit of this before we uh slide into the mid-hour break and then we will have the conversation with mark emerson Reading from the piece. And again, full credit to Jason Brown. How do you persuade the masses to accept authoritarian control while forfeiting all of their rights in the name of the collective? Well, you have to find the right pretext under the right conditions in the right scenario. We saw it after 9-11 as the FBI became predominantly an intelligence agency while the Fourth Amendment was shredded. This was done in the name of national security. You need the perfect storm, but as we have seen with the COVID situation, government agencies and their unholy alliance with large corporations, more specifically in this case Big Pharma, this political climate that has become the norm now with public-private partnerships, well, it's made manipulation of the masses a fairly simple task. This public-private collusion is a textbook example of fascism. Now, leftists overuse this word, but they also seem to have a fundamental misunderstanding of the actual meaning. Creative virus in Wuhan, China, received funding from the U.S. to conduct gain-of-function research, inflate the death rate by slapping COVID on the death certificates of people that died in the hospital with COVID, not from COVID, take into account that by the CDC's own numbers, only 6% of documented COVID deaths in 2021 were actually the result of COVID. This means that there were various causes of death for the other 94% that did not involve COVID. Now, understand that 
under 90% of COVID deaths were deficient in vitamin D. The lines here are blurred because the above stated fact that COVID deaths were misrepresented to inflate the death rate in favor of generating mass formation of, well, a, a psychosis among the peasants. That seems the intent. My intent was not to write an article on COVID here, so I'm going to get back to the subject at hand. But you can see where I'm going with this. My point here is that the government can create whatever scenario they choose by pulling the levers of their corporate media government demonic trinity. There was always going to be a pretext to justify the globalist attempt at a world takeover. COVID is only the most recent example of this mass manipulation on a global scale. Government creates the problem, then comes riding in on a white horse, or in this particular case, a Trojan horse. When the once respected American institutions all jump in bed with Uncle Sam, you get the situation that are currently we're all in. The American people have been scammed into accepting lockdowns, masks, and the false narrative that COVID was unprecedented, when in reality it mirrors every other outbreak that we've had in America over the years. What will the next narrative be that will instill, that will instill fear in the American citizenry, and what government agency will perpetrate the information war that will be needed to sell it. America has established precedent when it comes to false flag events and the use of organic or staged events to push the agenda. In the early 1960s, we have Operation Northwoods, which was a plan presented to President Kennedy to build public support for an invasion of Cuba. If you don't know this one, look it up. The documents are now all declassified. LBJ's Gulf of Tonkin incident, the Gulf of Tonkin, I mean, that's something we've talked about a lot here. Well, it's used to drum up support to pour resources and troops into Vietnam, escalating tensions. This was done with LGB's, I'm sorry, LBJ's signing of National Security Action Memo 273. As mentioned above, 9-11 was a major turning point for Americans and their constitutional rights. The U.S. Patriot Act kicked this one off. Now, the Patriot Act is one that we've talked about frequently. We were, of course, on air, and I've had to admit on multiple occasions here recently that, yeah, I was on the wrong side of that one. I supported the idea of taking additional steps to try to make sure that we were able to squash acts of terrorism on U.S. territory. And that was the intention all along. They played on the emotions, and this is an occasion where I fell for that too. In truth, when you ignore the liberties of freedoms, the guarantees that our Constitution gives us, it's easy to get into that situation. But I fell for it, and I've admitted it unlike a lot of folks on the left who can never admit we're wrong. 
Then you had January 6, 2021, that was a staged event from the start to finish with Nancy Pelosi organizing the chaos with the help of the Capitol Police and their willingness to open the doors to the Capitol and allow protesters in, only to arrest them later. The event was carried out by corrupt D.C. officials and a narrative was created to isolate Donald John Trump by accusing him of instigating the protest. While bad actors on the FBI's payroll were embedded in the crowd at the Capitol that day. Now I'm going to have to stop reading there. But what I would like for you to do is take it upon yourself and do a little homework. Go visit Grasshopper's Patriot blog. Like I said, there will be a link in the show description. Finish reading that one. Sign up and read the other things that he has on there as well. Just a lot of great work. In the meanwhile, let's go ahead and take that mid-hour break so that when we come back, we can go straight into my conversation with Mark Emerson. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. The leftist movement is trying to eradicate the real definition of a man and woman. If society allows them, they will eliminate our families and all righteousness. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Beginning in the 1940s, black Americans, for the most part, were very moral with a strong belief and faith in God. Despite the onslaught of Democrat racist brutality, blacks were on an upwardly mobile track. Most black Americans and Americans in general learned about and taught their children about right and wrong. They knew what a woman and a man is and how human beings came into existence. Black Americans also understood that to overcome the one-time, never-ending torture of Jim Crow, etc., etc., that they could not be the same as those who were committing those evil acts. Today, many black Americans like Shannon Sharp of ESPN whined to high heaven about oppression in America. Mr. Sharp says that they're so concerned about blacks in America and scream about white supremacy. Yet they roll into the black community via the Trojan horse of destruction, attaching the existence of black Americans to the LGBTQ plus movement that is being allowed to destroy the very principles that helped blacks overcome bigotry in the first place. God created both man and woman only. Deal with it. I'm Ron Edwards. Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year and a half a million children being treated in the ER each year for a head injury, there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels. We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries 
are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. That is indeed. You do want Constitutional Ground coffee in your cup and with spring right around the corner, you also want to go visit Blue Coolers, the absolute best value in coolers, period, in discussion. Literally up to 10 days of ice at a fraction of the price of the other high-quality brand. Uh, that's right. And right now, they do still have the limited edition Midnight Blue Cooler with the tan toppers and straps. Uh, it's just phenomenal. They are getting close to selling out, so you need to hurry over there as quickly as possible if you want to get a chance there while supplies last. But blue coolers are absolutely the best. I kid you not. Go see for yourself. Follow the link in the show description today. That way they know I sent you. And visit Blue Coolers today. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. And it is now my honor and pleasure to welcome onto the show a first-time guest. He is a master mathematician, or at least I think he would be okay with being called that. He is a man who believes in liberty, critical thinking, and he right now is trying to save America's youth by reintroducing the idea of critical thinking through algebra. At least that's how I want to describe it. Uh, we'll give him a chance to uh, correct me if he disagrees. Uh, he is the creator of Algebra Victory. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have Mark Emerson, and along with him, we also have Jonathan Emerson, who uh, we probably will hear a little bit from, I would imagine, but he is on the line as well. Mark, first and foremost, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tim. Thanks so much for having me on the show. And uh, Jonathan is my son, and he'll be popping in here and there as needed. All right. Fair enough. Now, obviously, one of the things that you are really trying to do right now is you're trying to uh, build up this redesign of mathematical curriculum focused specifically on algebra and making sure that, uh, that young people get exposed to this. And I would really like for you to uh, express 
first exactly what it is that led you to feeling like this was necessary? Well, first of all, I, I, I want to I want to address your initial introduction, if I may. I'm not I'm not a master mathematician. <laughs> I'm a master teacher of mathematics. Fair so. It's a very different thing. Certainly, I know the mathematics, but I would certainly not call myself any kind of master mathematician. But um, so I have been engaged in this for my entire life. I started tutoring algebra and geometry and chemistry when I was in the 10th grade, 11th grade. And I've been teaching and developing my whole way of teaching this for a long time. It's a long story. And the story is told on the website, algebravictory.org. Uh, it became, as and when I was really very young, when I was still in school, I knew that this was needed because I knew what was going on in my own math classes. And, uh, and then as I was tutoring, I saw what was going on with other kids and how they were being not properly taught. And I discovered I had a great gift for this. And this evolved and evolved and evolved. And uh, now uh, what I'm doing is I'm putting it all together into what I, I like to think of as my masterpiece, which is Algebra Victory, which is going to be delivered online. It's an online uh, course in algebra, a rigorous course in algebra, expertly taught so that students really learn the algebra. So this is a big deal because the 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 algebra there's something called a math education crisis which is that most kids although they can learn the arithmetic arithmetic is uh adding and subtract it's whole numbers uh add subtract multiply divide whole numbers and then uh that's basic arithmetic and then advanced arithmetic is fractions and decimals for a long time for 100 years most students have been able to do that. They may not be able to get all the right answers. They may make mistakes. But then when they get to algebra, it's a whole different story. Um, most kids wipe out in algebra, and there are many reasons for that. And and I have known how to solve that problem for a long time, but I've been fighting in battles. And, and uh, now with Algebra Victory, I've got a way to reach out and give this to kids all over the world. That's what I'm, I'm interested in, teaching kids to really understand algebra. And in so doing, they learn to think critically and logically and for themselves. And that's important for liberty. So anyway, that's a start. All right. Well, uh, let me ask you this. I've always kind of been of the opinion that the reason so many students have a hard time transitioning from general arithmetic into algebra has a lot to do with the notion that there is this grand separation in the two, when in fact, most students, or at least I have to admit, I still graduated well before Common Core came along, so maybe I don't know what the uh, the current students are having to deal with. It just seems like insanity to go away from the method of mathematics being about first before even trying to work an equation out, you simplify it as much as possible. They seem to want to overcomplicate it in uh, the Common Core. Well, common Core. Uh, is that's a separate subject. Common Core is not only a disaster, it's gross educational malpractice, and it has been done intentionally. There's no way that Common Core curriculum can be have been in, constructed by anyone other than someone who was evil and malicious. Yeah. It is a complete debacle. And but the the problem of algebra education is old. Uh, it goes way back because. 
back in the 60s when I was in school and then and teaching all through the 70s and 80s and part of the 90s. And the problem was there all along. And the, the reason that let me give you a quick explanation that uh, in arithmetic, like I said, we can divide it into basic arithmetic, which is just whole numbers and then fractions and decimals, which is advanced arithmetic. There are about 300 facts, concepts and skills that kids need to learn in arithmetic. And if they learn that over, let's say, six years, which is typical, starting in the first grade, that's about 50 per year. But algebra, the algebra has about 5,000 facts, concepts, and skills that kids have to learn. So there's a triple whammy here. First, there's a huge increase in the amount of material. It's like a hundredfold. And then, well, no, uh, no, no. The next, the second whammy is tenfold. The second whammy is a huge increase in the speed. Not only the amount, but the speed. Instead of learning 50 a year, now they've got to learn 5,000 in one year of algebra, which is a hundredfold increase. That's the second whammy. And the third whammy is arithmetic doesn't involve any letters. There are no variables in arithmetic. In algebra, you have X and Y and Z, and these are variables. And most kids, a lot of kids never got, they never understand what the variables really mean. They're abstractions. And so all that together makes it huge. It's a huge barrier to learning. I like to call it Algebra Mountain. If you look on my website, you'll see a picture of Algebra Mountain. And I like to divide kids into three broad categories, which I call the math smart 10%. Now, these kids learn algebra, even if it's badly taught. A lot of them struggle with it. A lot of them have to get tutors, but they manage, and they're able to go into STEM fields. That's science, technology, engineering, mathematics. But they have to climb. They have to climb up the mountain. Then the second group I call the middle 80%. This is the vast majority of kids. These kids, they take algebra, and they wipe out because they don't know how to climb. And the third group is the, the low IQ, 10%. These kids have intellectual disabilities. They should not even be attempting algebra. But what I can do, I can teach the middle 80%, and no one else can claim that. Uh, my methods work. And I like to say it, what we do is we build a trail. We build a trail up Algebra Mountain. You can see a picture of the Algebra Victory Trail on the website. Now, the kids still have to get to the top of the mountain. It's, gonna, it's a lot of work. It's going to take them, you know, nine months, a year, a year and a half or whatever. They can go at their own speed on Algebra Victory. Then they have to huff and puff and, you know, take the and they have to take a few short breaks. You know, it's a steep trail. They've got to go step by step up the trail. But they can do it. If they're not climbing, they just hike up the trail. And so that's what Algebra Victory is. And then when they get to the top and even as they're moving up the trail, it transforms them. It's like, oh, my God, look what I can do. I can do this stuff. I understand. This is amazing. Look what it's doing to me as a person. It's transforming me on the inside, not only my intellect, but my heart. My whole life is changing. Literally, students have told me, you can see testimony on my website, that taking this course has changed my life because they have become able to think in a way that they didn't even know existed before. Right. And so, and, and let me tell you something about about the algebra. Unlike what you get on the on the fake news media or from the government, where they're telling you, "Well, this is so because we said so. We're the authority, and so believe it." Uh, and if you don't believe it, we'll arrest you and put you in prison. But algebra, the algebra is not true. 
because I said so. I, Mark Emerson, I'm the authority. I'm the I'm your teacher, and I told you this is true. That's not why it's true. It's not true because you looked on Wikipedia or was a book or some mathematical expert told you it's true. That is not why it's true. The algebra is true all by itself. It's inherently true because it has divinity in it. The divinity in the algebra is what makes it true. It's absolutely true. And what I do is I give the kids the ability, I lead them on a path as they step-by-step up algebra trail. And many, many times over, this just happens again and again and again and again. And it's each of these many, many processes we go through where they look at something and go, oh my God, I get it. I see it. Wow, that's so cool. And now they own it. Now it belongs to them. And nobody can come along. No tyrant, no no uh, government authority can come along and say, no, 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 that's not so. They're going to know that person's lying or that person is just foolish and ignorant because they know it's true. They understand it. And nobody can take that away from them. And so that's a great value as they go through this process and they're learning to be able to own their own knowledge and, and, and see it. And then that they can use this to look at other things in their life that may have nothing to do with mathematics. And yet they have this as a background in their being, in their, uh, in their mind and in their heart and in their view and understanding of life. And they can look at things in a different way than if they had not had the experience of going through the algebra with me. Right. Well, I, I think you touched on a lot of what I was uh, uh, trying to get to in my question uh, right there. You you touched on the psychological effects of grasping the concept and kind of what I was trying to get to uh, beforehand before I mentioned Common Core, which is obviously a trigger point and as well it should be, especially for anybody that's an educator, because it, it is an insidious horrific concept that takes the atomist away from teaching and more about trying to foster confusion, which is a tool. Well, of uh, absolutely. And by the way, I go through a little discussion on the website. I have a little section where I talk about Common Core and what it actually does. The Common Core algebra curriculum, it is a complete, utter disaster. Um, Whatever they had before, whatever they were doing before, which was inept, which was inadequate, which was not capable of teaching the middle 80 percent, they just took it and made it way, way, way worse. Yeah. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. I, I love the passion. Uh, what, what I was really trying to get to is there is a psychological block to it and how it was treated when I was still in school. Now, I, I'm 50. That's correct. That is correct. That had nothing to do with Common Core. Right. And, and what it really comes down to is, in essence, the way we were taught basic arithmetic, we were being taught fundamental concepts in algebra from the very beginning, but we never called it that. We never referred to it. So it becomes that psychological step, because as soon as I was in first grade, I remember seeing uh, one plus one equals triangle. Well, once you get into algebra, you just substitute the triangle or the, the blank you're supposed to fill in with a letter. You have what's called a veritable, and they start throwing these scary-sounding terms at you without ever having to explain. You've already been working with some of these concepts, and here's how it applies. And I actually uh, helped tutor some children back when I was still in school that were a few grades behind me. And uh, just like you're describing with your message, uh, once I was able to express how 
mathematics is a language, that it is essentially the language of the universe. It's how reality is defined, uh, not throwing that at them in that specific format, but just showing them, hey, here's what you've already been doing. Now, this is algebra, and, and I kind of taught it as being more of a philosophy of how to simplify and manipulate equations in order to keep the statements true and to find missing information when you know part of what you're looking for, but not necessarily all of it. And I kind of feel like that's still a reasonable descriptor of it. And I feel like it's that psychological block where they never really show you or try to teach you that, that it's led to a big part of this. Does that make sense to you from the, your position? And well, is that incorporated in what you do? Well, first of all, uh, I certainly didn't see one plus one equals triangle when I was in the first grade. <laughs> uh, and I don't think very many people have Usually the arithmetic is taught, well, here's the problem, 45 times 93, what's the answer? Right. Um, concept of putting the triangle there or a variable uh, W or Q or M or whatever there uh, is not involved in the way arithmetic is normally taught. What distinguishes arithmetic from algebra very clearly and very sharply is the introduction of variables. So... On the other hand, if the variable is the only thing on the right-hand side of the equation, if you say 7 plus 2 equals y, well, it's already solved for y. You, solving means just you have the variable by sense. itself on one side of the equal sign and not on the other side. Well, the y is on the right. The other side is 7 plus 2. Well, it's 9. So y equals nine. That's a very that's a trivial algebra problem. The right. problem becomes more interesting when you have Two times y plus 17 equals three times y minus two. Now, let's figure out what y is. That's more substantial. But even then, a lot of kids that take algebra, they still don't understand what the y is. And it just becomes a, a game of complex manipulation that they don't really understand what it's all about. We introduce or I introduce variables in lesson one of algebra victory, and we do it in a way that uh, students completely understand it. They completely get what the variables are. And then gradually we start using them in a way that makes more and more sense to them. And and it, it, it just comes along just fine. But the way that the textbooks do it, the existing textbooks, of which there are hundreds, I've never seen a single one that I liked. Uh, and that's why I write all my own material. Right. They, 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 they just, they botch that. They botch so many things. Sometimes they do things that are good. Some of the some of the, the stuff that's in some of the textbooks is done okay, but there's too many things that are not done okay, and it takes you got to put the whole thing together uh, to make it all work. Nice. But your understanding is correct. You're saying that that the the that it's a language. It is indeed a language. In fact, Jonathan, why don't you make a couple of comments about the language issue here? Yes. Uh, well, when you study the fundamentals of mathematics, you see it all comes down to uh, language, actually. And, and what we have, um, we're not since we're not taught this, people don't usually think about it in this way. But but we have predicates such as equals equals is a predicate that says, uh, you know, this thing and this other thing happen to be the same thing. So that's a verb. We're saying this is that thing actually equals and is are very closely related verbs. Um, and so we have predicates and, and we have operators. Uh, an operator will take the one or more things and do some operation like, like plus is an operator. And, and we do this in languages as well. We will we'll have a, 
an operator in language, we're saying, if we just talk about numbers, we're saying, I have, you know, I have uh, these five apples and three apples, and I'm going to put these apples together. I'm doing an operation, and, and we have, you know, uh, gram- grammar elements that, that can do these sorts of things in English and corresponding grammar elements in the language of mathematics and the th- symbolic language. And so all of this correlates and, you know, the, the, anything that you can write up in an equation, you can also make an English sentence that amounts to the same thing. Right. Uh, or any other spoken language. Right. Or any other spoken language. And another thing I wanted to mention uh, that th- this one of these big things we've been dealing with, we we've all had to deal with it in school. It's been going on for a, over a hundred years, uh, or about a hundred years, is the, the the Rockefeller Rockefeller education establishment that, you know, they don't want they don't want us to know the the deep secrets of of of, of the universe and the philosophy of of numbers and language and fundamental truths. They, the, their whole their whole game plan is to teach everyone to go by authority and listen to authority. Oh, the mathematical authority will tell you what the proper equation is, the, you know, or the scientific authority will tell you what the science is. It's not up to you to figure that unless you get your degrees from our institution. Then you can be an authority. Right, right. And we, we completely break that. I mean, there's absolutely none of that. It's just the opposite in algebra victory, where we're empowering students to see what the absolute truth is in the algebra and then they can own it and then having that experience with algebra they can take that in other places in their lives yeah yeah one of the most difficult uh, populations of people to control is a population of people that understand they can read for themselves they can do math for themselves they can think for themselves they don't have yeah. to rely on credentialism to get them where they need to go i think given where the education system is right now I understand why there is a lot of pushback on even the notion that this is a language because they barely understand the spoken languages that they use. We are literally back to using a form of hieroglyphics by trying to communicate with emojis these days. So it's amazing to me that people can even sign their own name uh, among some of our younger uh, folks that are now old enough to vote and drive and do other scary things like build bridges without being able to do calculus. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a yeah, frightening. It's scary. Answer. It's it, it's very very, very scary. Before students can enroll in Algebra Victory, they have to pass an admission exam. And the admission exam covers basic arithmetic, not advanced arithmetic. I'll talk about that in a second. And elementary English grammar. They have to be able to identify a verb in a sentence, and they have to be able to tell whether something is a complete sentence or not. And there's a sample on the website that people can look at. Now, the reason that we don't, and the kids can take the admission exam over and over with a little time delay, but they need to be able to prove that they can do that before we let them into algebra victory. And like I said, there are plenty of programs out there that can teach arithmetic that are perfectly valid. There are literally tens of thousands of elementary school teachers out there who are very competent, very competent to teach children arithmetic. The Montessori method is fantastic, and there are other methods too. But algebra, the way we do it, it just doesn't exist with anyone else. Now, the reason that we don't include the advanced arithmetic on the admission exam is because I teach fractions and decimals in Algebra Victory. It turns out that it's easier to teach fractions and decimals with the algebra than without. 
And then you have an immediate application for the fractions and decimals in algebra problems. It works great. And this means that the starting age for algebra is younger. So if a kid is seven or eight or nine years old and they know they've got the multiplication and long division mastered, they can do all that, great. Take the admission exam and uh, uh, come on in, start algebra. So this is, this is actually very good for our business model as well. So go ahead. Now, I was just going to say, I, it really does make sense as far as the grammar part, because if you can understand the difference between a complete sentence or an incomplete sentence, that also translates in your ability to ascertain when you're looking at a math problem what it is you're actually trying to solve for. To be That's, right. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I reserve the word solve. Solve is a type of instruction. We're very sensitive to what the instructions are on a math problem. I would never use the word solve on a problem that's not a sentence. If it's not a sentence, it's going to be a phrase. So I make a fundamental distinction in all the algebra problems. There are actually three kinds of problems. There are sentence problems and phrase problems. And then there's another category, which is word problems. So if if I have uh, if I say, say diagrams, uh, yeah, yeah, there are a few other things too. But the the fundamental distinction between a phrase and a sentence is very important. So if I say factor x squared minus three x, that's not a that's not a sentence. X squared minus three x is a phrase, and you do something very different than that than you would with you know solve for x two x plus five equals three x minus nine. That is a very different kind of a problem. And they need to be able to understand that. And they need to be able to say the thing out loud. X squared minus three X. Is that a sentence? Does it sound like a sentence? Actually, no, it's not. It doesn't sound like a sentence. You know, the tall tree with fruit hanging from the branches. Is that a sentence? No. Where's the verb? There's no verb. John climbed up the tall tree. Well, now that we have a sentence, climbed. Climbed is the verb. S kids need to be aware of this. And so we are requiring that in advance because what I don't want, I don't want to get kids into algebra victory who just are completely clueless about English grammar because then they're going to have trouble. And that's not something I'm teaching. I'm assuming they have that knowledge. Right. Later on, we'll, well, I actually would like to build a system later to teach English grammar. I intend to do that. It's a few years away. Okay. Uh, <laughs> very important. That's very important, especially because uh, English grammar and, and, and other language grammars are, are, as well are being uh, under attack in various uh, insidious ways. That's uh, right. They're trying to destroy our culture, and part of that is destroying our language. Uh, so it's very important that, that people understand this. But I'm just, this is elementary English grammar, nothing significant. They don't have to know what a prepositional phrase is. But most kids will be able to, that, that have a proper homeschool background or uh, reasonable elementary school teaching should be able to do this. Anyway, so we are targeting, we are targeting our initial market will be homeschool because this is going to be taught online and not as a part of a school curriculum. Uh, later on, we have plans to build us later versions of Algebra Victory that actually train classroom teachers in how to teach algebra with Algebra Victory system and classroom versions for students to use so that their teacher in a public school can actually teach it and, and have it work. Right now, these math teachers out there, 
they don't get trained in how to teach algebra, and they get books thrown at them. The books are poorly written. They understand the algebra. They know how to do the problems, but they don't know how to teach it. And so we need to do that, and they need to get professional continuing education credit, which affects and improves their salary as a result of taking our getting certified as algebra victory teachers. That's a few years away, but that's all part of the plan. Yeah, definitely in the pipeline, and, and that sounds great. Uh, before we talk about investment opportunities here, and, and we'll definitely get there because I, I want everybody to know they have an opportunity, if they like the sound of this, to get involved. There is one other aspect of the way your course works that I think speaks volumes that might make it tricky to get into school systems as they currently exist, but I would uh, certainly think that it would be of value, and that is what you call the mysteries of algebra. You, you literally get into the divine because the one thing that we know is true critical thinking is actually part of the, the spark of the divine to begin with. And when you teach kids to, you're not teaching them how to do it. You're teaching them how essentially to get in touch with that spark of the divine. And, and you go about it in a, a very unique way by showing where the math gets, well, we'll say wondrous because exactly exactly yeah Yeah. i want them to experience the wonder i don't you know not knowing the answer having a question oh my god i don't know what is that that's amazing you know they not understanding and looking at something that's amazing is puts you in a state of awe a state of wonder and that's a beautiful place for the for us to be when we're in a state of wonder it brings us in touch with our own spirit. It brings us in touch with the divine. And so that's a very beautiful thing. And so there are many, many interesting, fascinating, wonderful, using the word wonderful in the sense of wonder, that, that I can teach in the algebra course. And let me give you one example. What happens if I take five and divide it by zero? Now, you... Uh... Now, you end up in a place that's very unique because when you divide a actual group of something into a suddenly group that's supposed to, by the mathematical statement, become nothing, how does something become nothing? It doesn't. It basically becomes Ooh. almost an infinite number. Basically, you're talking about infinity, right? Well, that is exactly correct. What we're looking for is a number which times zero makes five. If I divide five by zero, then I need to find a number which times, if I divide, let's say I divide, let's say I divide eight by two, what am I looking for? I'm looking for a number which times two makes eight, right? And the answer is four, because four times two is eight. Therefore, eight divided by two is four. Let's take the eight instead of the five. Now, what if I want to take eight divided by one? I need another number times one that makes eight. Well, that's also eight because one times eight is eight. So eight divided by one is eight. Now, how about eight divided by zero? Now, I need a number which times zero makes eight. Now, um, this is a big problem. And when I go through and explain this, I do it in a much more uh, deeper way. We need to talk about fractions first. We need to make the fractions smaller and smaller and smaller. And we make the divide by, let's say we divide eight by one half, 
but divide by eight by one half, that's going to be larger than eight because a half is smaller than one. I'm going to, I can fit more than how many halves can I fit into eight? That's going to be 16, right? Cause I'm going to get two and then four and they're going to add up like that because 16 times one half, well, that's eight. If I divide by a smaller and smaller fraction, then I'm going to get a bigger and bigger number. And when I ultimately, when I transcend, when I go, when I go beyond, when I go beyond what I can tangibly touch and, and say, I'm going to divide by something that is all the way to zero. Can divide by zero. What happens to the size of the answer? Now the size of the answer explodes. It becomes infinite. And so, but what is infinity? And you you start talking about this kind of stuff with children, their their eyes light up. They get intensely interested. I, even kids who are like disciplinary problems, kids who are you know poorly poor poor students. They will get interested also, and their eyes will light up, and they will, what's, what is that? And then we use the word infinity, it touches something in them, because there is, the infinity is very definitely divinity, and it, is, it, it sparks something in them when they hear this. But there's a problem with infinity, because if A divided by zero is infinity, that also what's seven divided by zero, it's also infinity. And then I can prove that seven equals eight because, you know, if, if zero times infinity equals eight and zero times infinity also equals seven, then seven equals eight. And this is absolutely unacceptable. So the only way out of this problem is to prohibit dividing by zero. Uh, because it, infinity is not really a number. It's something different. It's something that transcends being a number. And all of that is, is magical. It's, it's, a, um, it's a mystery. And kids love it. And what do they do in a typical class? They just make a rule. You're not allowed to divide by zero. No. You do it on your calculator. Divide seven by zero on your calculator. It says error. Well, obviously, the calculator can't do anything like that. It's not, not infinite. It has no capacity to do that. And so they just give that rule, and the students, they completely miss the opportunity to grab the student's attention and get them into a state of an exalted state of like, wow. And that connects to who we are as beings. It connects to our relationship with the divine. because And the, and the divinity is in us, you know? God made us in his image. The divinity is in us, each and every one of us. Yeah. And when the kids start to experience that, that is a, a spark on their spiritual path. Again, it's for, for people that remember going to a boring math class and having a teacher that obviously didn't want to be there. They're probably scratching their heads right now listening to this, wondering, why do these people sound so excited about math? And it's because they never got to experience that particular sensation. They never got that exactly. aha moment. They never got to see where the math really expands, which is something that, you know, unfortunately, uh, in the modern age, and I will include all the way up to Einstein moving forward as modern age for mathematical purposes, there are few people, Einstein probably being one of those few, that actually experience what it means to look at math and seeing that it's not about finding a simple answer, even though trying to find that 
one eloquent equation of everything was his life goal. It, it is about seeing the mystery, the wonder, and what all falls within the realm of possibility within those places where the math no longer fits that very basic premise of this is uh, 2 plus 2 and this is 5 divided by 1, but seeing where all of a sudden there's a multitude of possibilities that can't be easily described and easily determined, and that really is where enlightenment starts to come from, I believe. You know, I, I really appreciate both that effort to reach kids, because ultimately, if we're going to teach children how to get in touch with that spiritual side, if we're going to teach them how to garner mastery of mathematics and language and understand why the reason the assault from the political left at the global level has been focused on education and has been focused more and more on earlier education and earlier education to the point that children are literally the targets of almost every leftist movement currently going on. We, we it's, have it's got, horrifying. Absolutely yeah, horrifying. We have to reach them in a way that resonates that, that, like you said, that once you get them in that aha moment where they see that, then suddenly they can't be so easily fooled. You can't right. uh, use these syntax overload. That's what I was trying. I was reaching for the word syntax and I couldn't get it for some reason. Uh, mm -hmm. Syntax overload, where they intentionally try to warp the meaning of things which is part of why they try to change the definition so frequently. It's part of why they like using the word uh, equity now instead of equality. And it's all the same. Uh, it's all a systemic part of the same attack. But if you can reach kids in this fashion and get them both to understanding there are, in fact, fundamental truths, and that's not an act of white supremacist, uh, male uh, hierarchy belief, that it is simply the laws of the universe it is simply the truth and then can also teach them how to get in touch with that spark of the divine within themselves in the same process then you arm them with all the tools they need to face this and that's part of why yes. i think this is a great effort and why i would like to talk about the investment opportunities but we will do that right after we reset for the hour which we're running a little behind for that but uh, since it is sunday afternoon that's not so bad. You guys stay right where you're at, and we will, on the other side of this resetting of the hour, pick right back up after a brief message about our sponsor with today's very special guest, Mark Emerson. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. From a blue state clan Taught to praise the little man Told that union saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees They said their vows he couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had 
had a kid Tried to live like their parents did But both their parties taxed them close to death They learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw them years ago A happy little cabin in the west They homeschooled on their farm Making so much more from so much less They can say when, they can say how, and they can say why, they're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. All of this, as more than half of Americans think President Biden will go down as one of the worst presidents in American history. I keep forgetting I'm president. Oh, and woe is me, too, every time I stop and think about the fact that, yes, indeed, that the Biden administration is the one that's supposed to be in charge at the moment. Scary, scary, scary. But, hey, I'm not here to bring you down. I'm here to try to help pick you up and remind you that we do, in fact, have a constitutionally federated republic, one that was designed by some of the smartest men to ever walk the planet, and it seems as if, unfortunately, we are far removed from the level of intelligence and logic that was employed in creating such divinely inspired documents as the Declaration of Independence. And, yes, the constitution as it was originally written along with those first 10 amendments better known as the bill of rights we have with us today a man who is trying to help reinstill the notion of good education quality education uh, the teaching of mathematics and how that relates to understanding the language of the universe and even more importantly how it helps you to touch the spark of the divine within math clearly revealed, but how it's part of you, an individual. Uh, that's right. The creator of Algebra of Victory. We are talking with Mr. Mark Emerson along with Jonathan Emerson, and I'll continue that conversation in just a moment. But before we do, sadly, I have to tell you what horrible, horrible thing happened to Craig. 
See, Craig was a man who was trying to do the right thing during Hurricane Ida, and he went out, he bought a gas generator, he fired it up, but during the night, deadly carbon monoxide seeped out of the gas generator and into Craig's home. It poisoned his wife and his two children in their sleep. Craig is now a man whose family is gone just because he tried to do the right thing. And the sad part? Craig's not alone. Literally thousands of Americans every year have to deal with some level of issue from carbon monoxide poisoning. Thankfully, not that many of them are facing full-blown uh, loss of life. But the effects, the long-term, even the short-term effects of carbon monoxide poisoning can be uh, crippling. What's even worse Craig's tragedy, it didn't have to happen at all. And thanks to a new generation of portable, safe, silent, and 100% fume-free generators, uh, generators that are now available to all Americans, even those who think they might not be able to afford it, the Patriot Power Generator is here. Now, the Patriot Power Generator is a solar generator that doesn't use gas, so it doesn't have fumes. And instead of being loud, it's as quiet as a laptop. Plus, it's so lightweight, you literally can just pick it up and take it with you wherever you need it to go. Want to take it camping? Go ahead. Uh, have a family member uh, in another city, but somewhere nearby who needs a little bit of help and a little power? Well, if you're a loving family member, you can pack it up and take it down and help them out for a little while. Again, no fumes also means you can use it inside. And it's powerful enough to keep your phones charged up, to keep your emergency radios functioning, to keep operating your medical devices if that's what you've got going, even keep your refrigerator going if that's what you've got to have happen. And right now, you can go over to 4 and use code TAP, that's T-A-P-P, to get 10% off your first purchase on literally anything in the store. That includes water filtration, heirloom seeds, emergency food rations, whatever it is you may need, including the Patriot Power Generator. Just go to the number 4Patriots.com and use code TAP to get 10% off. That's 4Patriots.com. Use code TAP, T-A-P-P, and go get yours today. And now, with no further ado, let us return to my conversation with Mr. Mark Emerson. Before we do that, Great. I do want to get something out of the way, just so all the listeners know, and uh, you can verify. I am not currently an investor in your program, and I am not currently being paid a sponsorship for your appearance on the show. Both of those are true statements, correct? That is correct. Okay. So one of the things that I was really impressed with is the fact that you are out here doing the work. You reached out to me and uh, you've been trying to find folks to, that were willing to talk to you. Some have had you on and have not exactly been very respectful of your positions. Others have uh, kind of played in heavily on what their generalized message is as opposed to what you're actually up to do. I, I'm trying to, to make sure you get plenty of opportunity to get your message across. So I hope I'm doing okay with that. But uh, before we do Thank that, you, you are. I, I would love for you to explain to the audience exactly how it is you decided to reach out to uh, me and any of these other folks that, that hopefully some of them may have already seen you on. Well, uh, we reached a point where we've got the website 
very well developed. Uh, we by the way, Algebraic I don't think we've mentioned this yet. Algebra Victory is not yet available. It will be launching in the fall of this year. Uh, what we're what we need to do now is to raise investment capital, and then we need to hire a team of professionals. The out the website is set up now for all of that, and we have two prospectuses for investment on the website. There was a lot of work in preparing all that, and now what I have to do is get out in the public eye and get people interested in terms of number one potentially enrolling their kids when we launch. So if, if, if you have a, a homeschool kid, then please go to the website and send us a, a message so that we put you on the email list so that when we launch, you'll be notified. And number two, for investors, because we need to raise money. And number three, because we have jobs we're going to be hiring and we're looking for professionals and you can go to the jobs area of the website and see all the jobs we're going to be offering. There's some job descriptions up. There are titles for all the jobs, but only a few job descriptions so far. I'll be getting more of them up. But what I had to do is I had to get out in public. So I realized some time ago that what I wanted to do was go the podcast radio route. And I knew that I wanted to go through conservative, patriot. Uh, homeschool-oriented channel. So I found a uh, an online service that has a um, a database to search for these kinds of podcasts, and it literally has tens of thousands of podcasts. And I searched using these criteria and identified uh, several hundred podcasts and got emails and sent them out. And you were there and you responded. Thank you very much. Well, you're very welcome. Once you did that, of course, uh, did a a little bit of background research to just try to to make sure everything uh, looked to be on the up and up and you have very impressive feedback so far part of that i think speaks to the the clear passion you have for what you do and uh, the knowledge from base that you're drawing on but uh, tell us a little bit about how the investment process would work uh, how are you setting up the organization first and foremost and uh, and we'll we'll start with that and kind of work our way from there sure the corporation is called Educational Empowerment Corporation. It's a Nevada nonprofit corporation sole. Now, because we are nonprofit, investment gets tricky. You can't use stock. Stock will not work with a nonprofit. We have a different investment, a, a financial instrument that we created that are called charms. And what happens is the charms will be paid from what we call intermediate revenue. So when, when we sell Algebra Victory, when we launch and we start having revenues and we're, we're anticipating really fast growth because the need is so great. I'll talk about that in a minute. But after the cost of the, the, the bandwidth is paid and there may be some commissions to people to help us market Algebra Victory, then we take uh, that creates what we call intermediate revenue from the gross revenue, and then we take a, a, a fixed percentage of expenses out of that, and that what remains gets distributed to the charms. And so uh, it's like a stock dividend, but it's not because there's no voting rights and there's no dissolution rights, and it's coming in the nonprofit sector. We cannot pay from actual net earnings that would violate the nonprofit law. So this works. It's completely it's completely legitimate, and uh, we're excited about it. And securities uh, exemptions in most states, the securities laws are are complicated, and in most states we can we can take investments. Not in every state. 
The minimum investment is $990, and we're ex- we're projecting over five years of rapidly increasing sales. And we believe that sales projection is reasonable because the homeschool is exploding. There's already a tremendous that you can see on the website and actually in the prospectus, there's a a discussion of the market and the size of the market and the numeric basis for calculating these, these numbers and the ages of children and that both in the United States and outside the United States, based on homeschool statistics alone, without even looking to our future growth into classrooms, we're projecting in the first five years through 2027 uh, enough revenues that we'll be repaying on a $990 minimum investment more than $20,000 in cash returns, which is about a 2,000% return, which is spectacular. And we believe we have uh, 10 reasons listed on the in the prospectus, sound business reasons to support this. You might say, well, that's a pie in the sky, 2,000% return. Well, on a, on a successful startup, that's kind of what investors want. They want something that has that pie in the sky feel and yet has sound business reasons, facts, business facts that make the, the projection reasonable. And I think we've got our ducks very much in a row. We've got a sound business plan. We've got a huge market. We've got a product with no no competition and no uh, no competition can teach that middle 80 percent. And no one can duplicate what we're doing because they can't duplicate me. And I'm at the center of this. And the, the, we have a, already one patent pending and we're going to have more patents as well. It puts us in a very strong position. Okay. Now, on top of that, well, in uh, terms of me, the let me let me kind yeah. of hold you up right there, because here is my moment to try to play Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank, if you will. I'm going to pull a, a sure <laughs> a lyric. Uh, and that is your your program is still going to be primarily video based, meaning that a competitor uh, could probably in some way find your video instruction course. And if they really wanted to, given the nature of instruction, is there not some way that they still could uh, kind of work around the legal brands, uh, the the limitations of the patent, and find a way to cut into that market space? I mean, isn't this a case where you could still have some competition doing something not exactly like you are, but similar enough that it could kind of cut into those projections? It's possible. And, and I think that we should even expect that someone's going to try to do that. But then they've got to deal with my personality and my persona. Who are they going to put up to compete with me? Because I'm going to, you know, and I don't mean to say this from a place of any kind of ego, but it's been projected. Someone else told me eight months ago, and I was a little bit surprised to hear this. I said, you know, Mark, you're going to be like a rock star. Now, I don't like rock and roll music, and I don't really like the idea of being a rock star, but I'm going to have some some star-like quality. And if I get a growing following of parents and kids and we start selling merchandise, that's that's mentioned on the website as well as part of the business plan, then the competitor, they're going to have to find a personality who is not just someone who can captivate people's attention, but can really teach algebra. And that's rare. That it's going to be very difficult to find anyone on the, on the planet that can teach uh, algebra as well as he does. Yeah. And, and so, and so that's that's our ace in the hole, and and so, uh, but even if they do, so they get some portion of the market, you know, if they're helping to educate kids, fine, but I think that we still will be the market leader, 
and probably by quite a, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that there is a lot of value in being the first to create that market space. If you look at somebody like Apple, for example, if you want to talk about big time investment opportunities, if you bought into Apple when it was young, they literally were able to find just new ways of repackaging the same product and they create a whole new market in the process. You talk about the iPhone, the iPad, whatever, iWatch now, although it hasn't been nearly as successful as the others, but all those are simply just them finding a new way to move computers. And it pays to be first into that market. You become that first person moving into home computing. You get that kind of level as long as you keep pushing to improve. And so I get that. Well, that not that, only that, you have to have a solid business plan and you have to be well financed. Right. If you don't have the financing, they can wipe you out, which is why we need investors now. I don't want to mess around here. When we launched this thing, I've got to have a solid technology team in place because we've got to be able to support. Suppose this thing goes viral and our servers get wiped out. We can't have that. We've got to have technology team there to support the bandwidth and the, and the operation at scale. So there's significant technology stuff involved here that, frankly, I'm not expert at. I mean, and, and it, some of this is discussed in the, uh, the jobs area of the website uh, where some of the professionals we're looking for. I need a team. So one of our departments is technology. Another department is curriculum. I need professionals around me helping me to generate these materials. Algebra Victory is about 5% complete, and we have a lot of work to do to get it ready. In fact, when we launch, we're only going to launch the first five lessons initially, and then we'll be rolling out the lessons in groups of three, four, five additional lessons uh, every month or so, or maybe more like 10 per, per month. And there are a total of 81 lessons in the course. So people who enroll at the beginning are going to get a big discount because they might have to be patiently waiting for us as we're rolling out the subsequent lessons. But I need a team around me to help to put that all together. And then a third department is marketing. We need a team of very professional marketing people to get out there and get this thing moving. And I'm going to be making public appearances all along. Right now, my main focus is to get investors, but that will shift to getting people to enroll as we go further forward. So, uh, so having that whole business structure there properly financed is crucial. Otherwise, there are plenty of people who have invented great concepts and then gotten wiped out because they didn't know what they're doing. And I'm seasoned enough. I've been through enough now that I know I know what's involved. I know how I know all the different kinds of attacks that can come. And I'm uh, very put a lot of deep thought into how to structure this to protect us from that so that to ensure we have victory business victory in addition to algebra victory right okay so does that mean you're planning on having your own hosting servers because you definitely do uh, not yeah we will yeah yeah i don't i don't trust amazon i right. don't trust you know amazon aws i don't trust microsoft azure i don't trust any of these cloud platforms now maybe rumble would be trustworthy for a while but our intention is to own our own servers and then have mirror servers on different places around the world by the way we will be translating algebra victory into all the major languages that not in our initial launch but that will come soon it will will the translation team that'll be part of our staff so uh, yeah we need we need to own the servers because i anticipate being uh, t i don't want to be subject to any kind of censorship 
Right. Which is exactly what will happen. You go build your you build your fort on uh, on YouTube or on Facebook or on Twitter, and you look what happened to people. That's that's very unwise. We need we need to do our own hosting. Now we may uh, we may engage uh, other contractors, but not the big ones. Those are complicated. Uh, technology and business questions that have yet to be resolved. All I can tell you right now is we're going to be uh, not relying on the, the the cloud. Yeah, I mean that's we definitely don't want you launched here, and then all of a sudden, uh, the same thing that happened to Parlor happened to you. I mean, Parlor literally went from being the number one app in the App Store because everybody was so tired of the censorship at Twitter that even people that were typically uh, slightly left of center were tired of the double standard and the BS and they were moving away. And all it took was that temporary shutdown. It took Parler a little while to get back up and going, but in that time, right. they've just never really been able to recover that same momentum. Yeah. And well, that's yeah, yeah. What and and by the count. way, by the way, you know, it, it's, it's going to be possible to run algebra victory on a phone, yeah. but that's not the right. That's not the right medium. The screen is too small. Kids should be using a laptop or a desktop computer or maybe a tablet, but it will run in a browser. We're not going to have an app. We're not going to have an Algebra Victory app that has to get put in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. No, and where the Google can just shut it off, take it out of the store for Android. Oh, you can't do Algebra Victory on Android. No, I'm not going to. We're not going to do that. It's going to be in the browser, so they're, they're, we're secure. We, we, there's no way they can stop us. Unless they shut the whole internet down, but they, they, they and and there is there are issues about that, but I'm not too concerned about that. Um, well, you can't really shut the whole internet down. You can shut power off in places, the key places. That's right. We're going to have our own backup power and all that. So, uh, and another thing, it's important to understand here. Well, the, this is a, the investment value here is also. Uh, robust in terms of the coming or the predicted financial collapse. There's a lot of prediction out there that, that there's going to be collapse in the stock market, bond market, and that you know pension funds and mutual funds, these things are going to collapse. And a lot of people are turning to investing in gold or precious metals uh, to preserve their, uh, their wealth or their retirement. What, I, what I'm here to say is that although Algebra Victory has a lot of risk in that, what if we fail? If we fail, then investors will lose their money. But, you know, I've been going at this my whole life that if this fails, my life is a failure. I'm not going to let this fail. And we've got so many things set up the right way. But what this won't do is this is not going to collapse. If the stock market collapses, it has no effect on us at all. In fact, homeschoolers are some of the best prepared people. They're people who already have foodstuffs prepared. They're people who already invested in gold. And these people put their children's education right up on the same level with housing and food. Their education, their kids is like top, top priority for their money. And paying the algebra victory fee is right there on the top of their budgetary agenda. And the algebra victory revenues are how the investors are going to get paid. You know, as soon as we every time we every quarter we have sales, the right piece of that those sales, and we write checks and they go out to the investors. I think that this is actually a a good alternative to gold, higher risk, but at the same time much higher yield. I mean, this is going to yield way more than gold would ever yield. But I think it's it's maybe it's not as safe as gold, but it's way safer than being in in any kind of any kind of market that is being 
administered and operated by the cabal, which is what the stock exchanges are. All right. I I really hadn't thought about this question, and I hope I don't take you too far sideways with this, but you mentioned economic collapse. And the first thing that pops to my mind after those traditional uh, stockpiles of the metals uh, and, of course, the other uh, commodities that are of high value, especially in a time of crisis, uh, even as simple as food and bullets, there's this other big movement, a more modern version, of course, are cabals. Uh, in this case, the Federal Reserve and the uh, global financial markets are trying to crush right now, that being cryptocurrencies. Uh, have you looked at the possibility? Are you even considering accepting cryptos for payment? Well, I, 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 we, we're not set up right at the moment to accept crypto. If someone wants to pay their investment with crypto, we will certainly consider that. Uh, Jonathan, you want to respond to that? We do have an account with Kraken. Haven't looked in it. I, I set it up some years ago. I I looked into crypto a while back. I never really got into it. I actually had a friend who tried to get me into it, but I just haven't haven't got into it. But we, we do have, a, we can set up more accounts if necessary to accommodate, but we could we could set it up if if, if investors are interested in, in giving us crypto, then we could set that up and accommodate. Yeah, but we would likely take that and, and convert it into uh, U.S. dollars right away. Uh, when, when we get our significant investment amount accumulated, we're looking b- between three and five million. We're going to take a, a piece of that. I'm not sure how much yet. And we're going to actually put that in gold and put that in the Texas Gold Depository, which is actually only 10 minute, 10 miles from where, where I'm sitting right now just to to protect our own uh, algebra victory assets, which we need to pay our, our staff. Uh, but yeah, so if someone wants to pay with, with crypto, they'll need to contact us. We don't have a, we, maybe we should add something, Jonathan, to the investment form. I hadn't thought about that. Well, Jonathan and I will talk about that offline. It's a very interesting idea, Tim. Well, you know, like I said, you were talking about that, and it just kind of sparked, because I know that's where the initial interest in cryptocurrencies came from. No governmental control, no banking finance control, which is part of what can make it kind of, I guess, dangerous is a probably a fair word. But at the same time, there is still such a solid core. Uh, the folks that are still behind crypto, uh, when you're looking at something like Bitcoin, that kind of is a little different from the rest of the crypto world. I have every confidence that Bitcoin is going to survive whatever they do. I feel pretty good about Ethereum too. But the upside is as long as there are still marketplaces, you can easily uh, convert those back into U.S. dollars. It's easy enough. Right, to do. right. If if someone wants to pay us that way, then we'll do the conversion. Yeah, and but, and so yeah, we'll. Look, if yeah. someone wants to pay us in gold, hey, you know, we'll we'll do that too. Yeah. Uh, we just have to work out a deal and figure out a way to receive right. it. So, but when I asked though, I was really thinking more in terms of potential. Oh, oh paying students. to uh, paying yeah, the for, the, for the, the oh the enrollment fee. Yeah. Well, the enrollment fee is not. I mean, uh, right. The enrollment fee will be after there are going to be discounts and all that. Uh, right now, we have uh, on the website a sample of the enrollment fee and the various discounts, and it's 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 under a hundred dollars. I don't think in the later it, it's going to be somewhere in the range of a hundred to three hundred dollars for an eighty-one lesson course with six hundred videos. You know, that's that's a deal. It's just, parents can easily pay three, four times that amount in tutoring to get their kids through a much inferior course. And so I think that 
And if they want to pay that in crypto, I ha- we we haven't we haven't addressed the whole payment system for enrollments yet. That that's down the road. Uh, but that's a good idea. I I'm open to the idea. Right, well, uh, if if I've thrown out something that ends up helping you, then I'm happy to have helped. <laughs> uh, if Great. you just if you decide not to go that route, then fair enough. Because again, we we right now currently see the federal government here. A lot of international banking organizations, they're trying so hard to squash it because they can't stick their thumbs into that particular pie. And that's why they hate it as much as anything. Well, uh, they want to uh, they want to replace it with their own crypto system, which is corrupt crypto yeah. that they have control over. And they inject into that a, a social credit system and a system of being able to shut your account down if you're not if you're, if you're engaging in politically incorrect speech or anything like that. And so. Uh, that's what they have up their sleeve, and where they're where where it's inherently corrupt, just as the Federal Reserve notes are inherently corrupt. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, all right. Oh yeah, I was just going to say the digital dollars being programmable means that they could just as easily decide if that's what the they the, a customer wanted to pay algebra victory with they could just shut those digital dollars off and then you've got nothing out of it yeah i'm not a big fan of the digital dollar plan nobody should be it's horrific uh, mark jonathan you both you've been informative been very generous with your time and at this point uh, i think we probably ought to wind down but before we do that i want to give you a chance to again remind everybody the website you'd like to share if you're inviting anybody to follow you on social media feel free to share all those handles you'd like out there and uh, any closing thoughts uh, that you want to share as we uh, say our goodbyes feel free to go ahead and do all that right now thank you uh, the website is algebravictory.org that's one word algebravictory.org and um Social media, we haven't worked very much on, so the place to go is to the website. And so the investment opportunity, the minimum investment is $990, and uh, we're projecting a 2,000% return in the first five years. And uh, by the way, I need to say this, the investment offering is made exclusively by means of the prospectus and is void where prohibited by law. It matters what state you're in or what state your mailing address is in. And all that information is in the prospectus. There are actually two prospectuses. It's very interesting the way we've done it. So you can do that all from the website. So please check that out. It's, it's a, there's a lot of information there, a couple of videos. And then if you're interested in enrolling when we're ready, if you've got kids the right age or adults, adults who want to learn algebra, that's fine too. Uh, like I say, any ages 7 to 107, uh, go to the contact page and ask us to put you on the email list so that you will get email when we're ready to launch. And then if you're interested in a job, potentially, the jobs will be in the Texas Triangle, probably the Austin area. Go to the jobs area and look at the job all the jobs and job descriptions. You can send us an application or just tell us you're interested. And then who knows, maybe, maybe we'll hire you. So we're looking for, these are anti-woke jobs that are, we're looking for patriots, who are solid spiritually and who are extremely competent and high integrity, high loyalty, who are devoted to what we're doing. And we're going to create an absolutely dream team, a resonant team of uh, that's just going to be such a fabulous place to work. People will have a hard time going home because they want to go home, but they also want to be at work because it's going to be beautiful. And we're, we're looking at including a, 
the daycare facility, making children welcome in the workplace. The children will be uh, of the staff will of our team. Uh, they'll have their own badges and they'll have a, have a work area for ch- children to go do their homework and play area outside. We're looking at all of those possibilities and then eventually building our own school facility. And then that school will be integrated with what we're doing, developing in, in educational uh, materials. It's very, very beautiful, the whole thing. And a lot of that is discussed on the website. Anyway, so that's it, algebravictory.org. My name's Mark Emerson, and looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much for having me on your show, Tim. Oh, you're very welcome. And uh, just as an FYI, Mark, once uh, you guys are ready to launch and the marketing department decides you're looking for some places to post some uh, paid sponsorships, I hope my show's name shows up on that list, too. <laughs> We'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, All just, right. Just, uh, just kidding with you, of course. But uh, good luck to you, sir. Godspeed. It really sounds like you're really working in the right direction. And I hope that that you have great success with this. It sounds like a really worthwhile project to you. And uh, like I said, good luck to you. Thank you. God bless you and all your listeners. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was both Mark and Jonathan Emerson of Algebra Victory. And uh, we will be back right after this very brief break. Hi, I'm Christina Bob, author of Stealing Your Vote and attorney for the Donald J. Trump for President 2024 campaign. And you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. Founding fathers often spoke of and wrote about maintaining faith in God or nature's God. They also warned that if we turned from God, there would be awful circumstances that would arise. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. My fellow Americans, we are all too aware of the precipitous decline our republic is experiencing. I find it ironic that many who claim to love liberty and desire to live in peace and tranquility often reject the true source of our vaunted national greatness. Ben Franklin acknowledged that the principles enumerated in the Holy Bible are practical and should be adhered to. It was George Washington who warned that if we did not maintain godly morals, a darkness would engulf our cities. Unfortunately, the mere mention of God is often met with either disdain or comments like, He's being too religious. But I must ask, if our nation is void of the knowledge of and relationship with God, how can we expect His blessings? Hmm? The Bill of Rights recognizes our inalienable rights which come from God. So wouldn't it be wise to heed the warnings of the Founding Fathers and seek God's wisdom and repent for the mess that has become this republic? I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, go to theronedwards.com. Bean stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. 
it's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly, but the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. All right, ladies and gentlemen, quick reminder that, yes, it is still winter, and some of you may very well be shoveling your way out of some pretty heavy snow you just had, but spring is just around the corner. And the thing about spring is that's the time where we all need to get out and go have some outdoor adventures. If you're young and you've got a family that's growing, you've got kids that need strong memories, and outdoor adventures do that. It's part of your job. And there are plenty of companies out there that are willing to help you out with that, but not too many of them are as qualified as Fire and Flavor. Yes, that's right. You've heard me talk about them before. These guys are the creators of the Hero Grill system, which is literally the easiest, most portable outdoor grilling system on the planet. I mean, I, I can't possibly say enough about them. But they also have plenty of other things available for you to check from various seasonings and dry rubs and uh, special charcoal and they even have these great uh, fire starting matches now called fat match uh, you got to go check it all out uh, they have new brand ambassadors now that are easy enough to go visit at the website as well and kind of see what they're doing get some specialized recipes all this really cool stuff that's going on there and all i'm going to ask you to do is Use the link in the show description if you go to visit them, because that's how they know I'm the one that sent you. So please, uh, go visit Fire and Flavor, see everything they have to offer, and remember to use the link in the show description so they know I sent you. That's Fire and Flavor for your outdoor adventures. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back better, make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just fine. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are whew, in the home stretch. Uh, we are almost done with today's broadcast, and that always leaves me feeling a little bit relieved because we managed to get it in the bag, and here we are, and we're done. And at this point, thankfully, no terrible technical issues. But it also leaves me a little sad because... I do enjoy our time together, guys. I, I really do. And I especially enjoy the feedback that you guys send me on uh, the various social media sites that I participate on. So whether you're reaching out to me at Facebook or on Twitter, which, of course, are the major standbys, and I spend less and less time there, understandably, or if you're reaching out on Truth Social or on Parlor, or at Gab or at MeWe, or Clout Hub, which actually, I really like Clout Hub. Uh, I actually am really, really enjoying Locals, too. But you guys aren't showing up over there. Come on over to Locals. Join the Tap into the Truth community at Locals. Uh, it's fantastic over there. And uh, once more of you guys start showing up there, I will start doing more content there. Uh, some exclusive content. I already share some news stories and things of that note. Uh, things that tend to work into show prep for the show and these other things over there that I don't necessarily share anywhere else. And I also make a lot of other comments there that I don't make anywhere else because I'm trying to get you guys to come over and join. Uh, come be a part of it. Now, before I go any further, I want to remind everybody, too, that uh, we were talking in this last segment a lot about investing in algebra victory. And I want to remind everybody that it is your role to do your due diligence. I'm trying to, to make sure that this is one of those opportunities that's out there that you're aware of. And I brought, uh, I brought Mark and Jonathan both on the show because I like their general message and I see a lot of wisdom in the statements that they're making. And it's a very pro-patriot, uh, pro-homeschooling message. And it's one of these situations where I realize that when you give these people a platform, sometimes your trust in me may equate into you doing something just based on something I tell you. But I, I, I need to make sure that you understand. And as always, I am not an investment professional. I'm not an investment advisor in any way, although we talk about investing in the markets quite a bit on here. I do bring experts on, and most of them tend to either agree very strongly with a lot of what I have to say or disagree. And, you know, that's, again, what's great about having these folks on. You get these different perspectives. And when I was recording this, I was also thinking about maybe talking to you about the whole Kevin O'Leary uh, AOC dust-up that's been going on the last few days. And in the process of trying to prep for that, and I kind of shied away from doing the story because by now I think it has been covered uh, quite well. So, you know, I have a tendency to look for stories that aren't being well covered. Um, but I, during the process of prepping for that, I came across a video of an appearance that he made shortly after the demise of the cryptocurrency uh, platform that he was both a paid spokesperson for, the FTX platform, and was also an investor in. And in the process of this conversation that he was having with somebody that was all about uh, you're abusing your power and your influence as being a celebrity because you aren't affected in the same way that retail investors are. And 
that brings me back around to having to make a very basic and fundamental statement. If you are a retail investor, chances are you are either paying in to some advisor to manage your retirement planning for you, or you may be somebody that's looking for uh, to kind of do that on your own and you utilize services like E-Trade or something similar. Uh, I mean, there are a ton of them out there now. Some of them are a lot easier. Some of them are a lot more hip and new. And of course, I'm currently promoting uh, Beanstalks uh, right here, which is another great alternative, especially considering that they focus on the exchange-traded funds, so you don't have to worry about individual stocks. And of course, Kevin O'Leary is a supporter there. And, and I have this investment in Beanstalks. Uh, but Beanstalks is still relatively new, still basically in that time frame that's considered to be a startup. And so there is a risk. There's a fundamental risk in being involved with there. Same thing with my investment in homegrown booms, bourbon, my investment in Second Skull, my investment in Honey Fund, all of these involve risk. And it is a higher level of risk because they're not on the exchanges. There is the possibility of greater returns, but there is still that higher risk. So it's up to you to take those risks if you want to. And if you're not in a position to do it, if you can't afford to do it, then by all means, do not go down this path. And lots of times when you look to invest in something like Algebra Victory, that initial minimum buy-in can be an obstacle. So, you know, if that's hard for you to get into, then it's not the time for you to do that. But that certainly doesn't mean you can't take advantage of it later, especially the service being provided. You really have to make sure that you're paying close attention to what you're getting into. Find out as much information as you can. If Anything in the conversation that you heard earlier between uh, between Mark and I concerns you, raises a red flag, then you have two options. Go do your due diligence, investigate it further, and decide if you have an answer that you feel better about, or just walk away. Don't even consider it. Just say, hey, maybe there's a lot of positive stuff to that first segment where we were talking about how improving education and teaching math in a way that helps to create uh, that level of independent thought, of critical thinking. Maybe there's value to that, but maybe that investment's just not for you. And if that's the case, great, fine. If you don't feel comfortable doing it, you shouldn't. If you can't afford to do it, you definitely shouldn't. And it doesn't matter what type of uh, promises that the returns are going to be or how high those returns are going to be at, you need to make sure that you know what you're getting into and how much it's going to cost you to do that. It's just that simple. I'm not trying to talk you into it. I'm not trying to talk you out of it. I'm trying to talk you into doing the right thing, the smart thing. Put your money where you know it's going to do the most good for you, period. You do that. And you still run the risk of winning or losing, but at least you know that you won or lost based on your choices. And when it comes to putting your money where you want it to be, that's about the best you can hope for. Because as I was telling my wife just the other day, life is not chess, it's poker. And in doing 
the and embracing the philosophy of there and to understand the metaphor. See, in chess, there are certain strategies that are always employed, and they always work one of two ways. Either they work as you plan, or the other guy, the opponent, is capable of countering it with their own strategy. But there is a right way to proceed and a wrong way to proceed, and if you mess it up, then you made a bad decision. But in life, you can make the right decision and still come up on the short end. We have got to get past this point where we constantly look at the choices we make and evaluate them as whether they were a good decision or a bad decision based solely on the outcome. Because in poker, you can have the best hand. And the example I used in the conversation I was having with my wife was you can have pocket cowboys if you're playing Texas Hold'em. And if you got pocket cowboys, especially before the flop, that is a really good time. If you're getting short stacked, to just go ahead and go all in. Because at that point, you're either going to chase everybody out or you've still got a really good chance of having the best hand when everything comes out. The problem is... Even though that was a good decision by these odds and the way poker plays out, you still might end up losing. The one person that stays in might have had pocket aces. The one person that stays in may have had two diamonds, and then all that comes up on the flop are diamonds. And then, well, <laughs> the odds of you winning suddenly changed. But that still doesn't mean it was a bad decision. It just means... Unfortunately, as with all investments, it didn't pay out. Sometimes the right decision still comes up a loser because of things that you can't possibly control. So remember, no matter what anybody's telling you, always do your own due diligence. Visit the website, check out the prospectus. Now, real quick, before we uh, close things out, and of course, I'm going to run a little long today because, well, you know, it's Sunday, and for the purposes of the podcast, I can go over just a little bit. Not going to go over too far. This is a story that is not getting a lot of attention, but it makes a very good point. We've got a man in Georgia who was being paid for the services of being a witch doctor. And this guy allegedly threatened to call immigration enforcement on some women who were basically his witch doctor clients, but obviously they were not legal residents of the state. They were illegal migrants. The problem with why he threatened to call immigration enforcement is because he committed criminal acts against these women. He was raping them. Duluth police testified about the other victims when 44-year-old Hassan uh, Shangahin, I think is the pronunciation. I probably butchered that pretty bad, so apologies. But he appeared in court in Gwinnett County. According to Detective Eddie Gomez, uh, he detailed the sexual harassment complaint made against this gentleman by a woman who said she had answered his online ad about a cleansing at his apartment for February 5th. He told her that, quote, you should do a cleansing. And I can help you with that. Now, the woman told police that uh, this guy used incense and chanted in a foreign language before he forced himself on her during the, well, we'll call it an alternative medicine ritual. That 
That seems PC enough, right? The lefties won't get mad at me describing it that way. I would actually just generally call it a rape, but, you know, we try to appeal to the lefty audience, too, in case they want to listen and accidentally learn something helpful. Anyway, Hassan then grabbed this woman by her arms and forced her into the bedroom where he sexually assaulted her. Investigators said that the victim was left with bruises on her body and ripped clothing. She asked, can I leave now? And he said, no, I'm not finished yet. Have faith in me. Be obedient. The woman said that uh, the witch doctor man threatened to call immigration enforcement officials on her if she reported the assault. And he demanded that she pay him $300 for the cleansing. Well, instead, she went to the police, and then six other additional victims were discovered by the police investigators. And the days of the witch doctor forcing himself on these women and getting paid to do it to boot, well, they seem to be over, thankfully. Now, the only reason why I, I report this story is, first and foremost, it is one that's going to fly under the radar for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's going to sound like one of those goofy local stories, so it's not going to get much national interest. It is a tragic story, and it's even kind of hard not to, to giggle a little and, and laugh at a few points because of the nature of how this story plays out. I mean, okay, first you're going to a witch doctor in the first place. Seems a little out of place in the modern world, but... There are plenty of folks that, from a different culture than our own, that still put a lot of faith into that type of thing. That being said, this also punches a hole in the narrative of how compassionate the left is being by just leaving our border open and letting folks come across the southern border willy-nilly with no real restrictions. If you are here illegally, you are forced to live into the shadows just because you don't want to run the risk of being deported. That puts you at risk, far greater risk. If people want to come here, they need to come here legally for a multitude of reasons. But the most compassionate reason here that, again, will hurt the feelings of the lefties out there is because it doesn't put people in harm's way. You don't get to threaten, blackmail, bribe, force people into bad situations like this one and have any kind of leverage over them. Who knows how long this guy's been getting away with it. The story's just now being discovered. The investigators are have only been investigating it since early February, and they've only found seven victims so far. By the time they're done with this, there could very well be dozens, if not hundreds, because this isn't the kind of behavior that just pops up out of nowhere. And I think the saddest thing is something that happened in Georgia, just south of here. I know most Georgians are pretty good people. I know they typically don't tolerate that kind of behavior either. We have a low tolerance of people hurting people here in the South. It's just how we are. Now, folks up north may not necessarily like it sometimes when they come visit us because we don't, uh, we don't cotton too much to them there Yankees much neither because they're fast talking, uh, 
ways of trying to manipulate folks by by doing them their Yankee stuff. But at the end of the day, nowhere in the United States of America should anybody who is living in any community be in a position that they have to decide whether or not they're going to report that they have been sexually assaulted because they have to be concerned about whether or not they'll be deported. And that's not me being soft on illegal migrants being here. That's me saying they should be here legally. If you're not here legally, you shouldn't be in a community to be in that position, period. It's way too easy to come here legally to do that. Anyway, that's going to have to be it for today. Thank you so very much for being here. And as always, I am very, very proud that you've joined me today. Remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. And uh, as we go out, one final message for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. This is Tim Tapp. in both hands Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep Stalin, Hitler, Malamine, and Pol Pot They told us things that you never forgot Is using both hands Well I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223 Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my
is using both hands. Evil is powerless if the good are unafraid.